would like to welcome you to Hopeful Conversations, hosted by Jody Aiken and Carolyn Reese. We are so excited you are joining our conversations. Our mission today is to encourage and challenge you as well as fill you with hope from God's Word. Just like the psalmist said in Psalms 103 verse 5, I wait for the Lord and my soul waits, and in His Word I hope. We thank you for joining us today on Hopeful Conversations and pray you will grow in the waiting and rely on hope from God's Word. I now give you Jody and Carolyn. Welcome back to Hopefield Conversations. I'm Jody, And I'm Carolyn. And we have a special guest yes. uh, visiting with us via Zoom. Why don't you say hi, Kim? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're so excited. Um, we recently were invited on your podcast, and we fell in love with you. Yes. And we thought we had to get you to join us in some of the teaching that we're doing as soon as we could. So, Kim, why don't you uh, uh, help our listeners get to know who you are a little bit and how they can find you? Sure. Well, I'm Kim Campbell, and I live now in Augusta, Georgia, but the closest I've lived to Inglewood is Wake Forest during my time at Southeastern Seminary, mm -hmm. and that was a long time ago. I think I started 22 years ago at Southeastern, oh, wow. but um, I live now in Augusta, Georgia with my husband of 10 years and our two boys who are eight and nine, and I love doing art and cooking good food and teaching the Bible, so those three things kind of take up any extra time I have if I'm done parenting, which is we're never done parenting. <laughs> no, right? no. <laughs> um, but they can find me um, over on Instagram. I'm there probably the most um, over at Kim Campbell Creative. And the other, was, the other one is A Girl and the Bible, which is a newer one just used for Bible teaching. I teach a lot over at the Bible Study Hub with Katie Orr. And then um, over on Facebook, too, or my my website, I'll give you those so people don't have to remember them. Hopefully they can. <laughs> right. And just how to spell your name and stuff. I'm excited <laughs> exactly. about uh, linking them to your content because yes. it is just flooded with some encouraging things. And you're creative. Yes. You're so I love your Instagram. I, know, I, I love following you on there. <laughs> It's, it's a lot of fun if I don't get too stressed out with the algorithm. <laughs> yes, you can't worry about that. <laughs> no, you really can't. Or it takes all the fun out of it. I know. It totally, totally does. So uh, we're so honored that you have joined, taken some time out to join uh, us during this conversation in Hebrews, which is where we're picking up in, actually in our series, and we're in Chapter 7 now in Hebrews. And I uh, just want to kind of start us off with the kind of the overarching idea of where we're going in Chapter 7. It's where the author's actually, um, he unpacks the great significance behind what it means for Jesus to be the high great priest according toward, to the order of Melchizedek. And uh, you've heard us talk about that name a couple times in the series thus far, but now we're really going to hone in. And we were just kind of joking around when, uh, before we started recording how we all uh, together might be an expert <laughs> <No>. on, Mel <laughs> no, on, on Melchizedek. But, <laughs> and those people that uh, have studied the word even greater than we have, and uh, we've, we ask them about the order of Melchizedek they still there's still so much so that we don't know mm -hmm. but I believe through our conversation we can perhaps get some uh create some more questions about yeah. him yeah but also clear the surface or yeah something. yeah also yeah. also yeah um some some clarity on that as well but again the author dives deeper into helping us to um helping those that he's speaking to to understand more fully 
who Jesus is as high priest in accordance to uh, Melchizedek. Mm -hmm. And I just want to remind those listening that um, if you're still kind of wondering where that dot connects a little bit, you can always go back to Genesis 14 and read where we first hear about him and actually the context of what's going on with Abraham and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, But why don't we go ahead and and do our first set of passage, uh, chapter 7, 1 through 4. Carolyn, you want to read that? Sure. And I'm reading from the ESV. It says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues as a priest forever. See how great this man was to Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of his spoils. And that's it. <laughs> I was going to read on, but that's it. <laughs> Y'all, this is a very, I mean, Melchizedek <laughs> is a mysterious person and we are not going to cover. I mean, we don't know. No. We don't know. And that's okay. I think. Oh, um, it is okay. We're not supposed yeah. to know at all. Yeah. But I did want to point out two things that stood out to me about Melchizedek as we're comparing him to Jesus, because that's ultimately what the author of Hebrews is doing. Yep. Um, both Melchizedek and Jesus have that role of priest and king. And as I was researching that, um, I found out that that was normally against God, God's plan for those two roles. There were priests and there were kings, and they did not overlap. Um, and I found this so interesting. This was in my commentary that I was reading, the Christ-centered exposition that I, I recommended before. But um, do you remember the verse in Scripture? It's in Isaiah that says, um, in the year that King Uzziah died? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So King Uzziah actually suffered the consequences of taking on a priestly role as king. And because of that, he got leprosy and died because he took on the role of priest. Um, he was a king who acted as priest. And that's in Second Corinthians or Second Chronicles 26, 16 through 21. I found that so interesting. And I just thought it was really cool because Jesus and Melchizedek are the exception to that role of priest and king. So, yeah. Yeah. And if, if you want to take a look at it, like if you're listening from America, which I assume a lot of our, your listeners are in yeah. America, it's sort of like the judicial system, the executive system, and the legislative system of the branch of government. Mm-hmm. Like you can't overlap, but there are three, three pillars of our government for a reason. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. can't, and there's checks and balances. So one can't dominate the other. Um, but that's how my husband kind of was explaining it to me the other day being a history major in, uh, in college. Yeah, so. yeah. So this this role of priest and king was kind of mysterious to the Jewish people, the, the original uh, listeners of Hebrews. That This was a weird concept for them. Um, and, you know, they brought up Abraham, who was a patriarch. So, so he was, you know, a well-respected person. And, you know, basically he says that this is different. This is um, Abraham recognized Melchizedek as being different. And he, you know, he gave that 10th, um, you know, out of obligation to God, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, in recognition that Melchizedek was divinely appointed. And so I think that's so interesting. And I think it really helps begin kind of uncover who Melchizedek is and how he compares to Jesus. Yeah, definitely. I was um, reading a commentary and the commentary that I love to use the whole set is the reformed expository commentary. Mm -hmm. They're written by different people, but this one, I was reading it even at lunch today, 
said, how glad Abraham must have been to see the one who represented the source of every spiritual blessing, holding forth the bread and wine that spoke of Christ's saving work to come. Hmm. And that just, that kind of speaks a good word to me about Abraham, just like he recognized through faith that <laughs> this one is, is telling us about the one to come and how yeah. the whole scriptures point us to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool when we can make that tie because it does become kind of confusing when we bring in these other characters, especially from the Old Testament. But as we tie them and just begin to see how it's just pointing us to Jesus, mm -hmm. pointing these systems yeah. of the Levitical priesthood, pointing us to Jesus, mm -hmm. the, the better, really uncomparable, but better, perfect high priest. Mm -hmm. So. Well, and just talking about where um, Melchizedek, whoever blesses is the, the, the greater one, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we yeah. know as uh, the status that Abraham has and here he's being blessed by someone else. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's very significant in that act that he's doing right there. Absolutely. Yeah. You want to go on to verses five through ten? Yeah, Kim, you want to read um, verses five through ten with us? Sure, I, I need like three sets of glasses on. I mean, the Bible had like really large print. So five through 10. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is from their brothers. Though these also are descendants from Abraham. But this man who does not have his descent from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives, one might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. So it's really talking about... Um going back to the Levitical priesthood, so the Old Testament mm -hmm. priesthood, and really just again highlighting that that priesthood was always meant to give way to something much greater, um, that there was always a an incompleteness, if you will, of their, their role. And so um, this chapter seven really builds up that, you know, this didn't, this didn't satisfy everything that was needed for salvation. And then as we move into chapter eight, as we'll talk later on, then we'll see that, you know, Jesus is the one that fulfills everything we need. So, yeah. And, yeah. And let's remember that the Levitical um, priests, they didn't exist yet other than sure. what they're talking about right here in the loins, mm -hmm. which is, I don't know if we want to get into that, right? <laughs> <laughs> we all know what that means. We'll leave yeah. the loins off. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what they're referring yeah. to right there. But um, so it's just everything because let's remember that there's nothing insignificant uh, in God's word. Mm. Everything that's written there is for a purpose. And the author is really trying to drive home a point for them to understand mm -hmm. the significance here of, of connecting again the, um, the as Jesus is being the greater. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Abraham didn't even know what, I mean, he knew what sacrifices were. I mean, he, he worshiped right. God. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, Moses and Aaron weren't around yet mm -hmm. and that would still be several hundred years, but how Abraham received that blessing. And I mm -hmm. wonder, I mean, always, like you said, before we started recording questions, beget questions, beget questions. <laughs> right. And yeah. Whenever that's my greatest study tool besides like, like in my head study tool 
is always ask questions of the text. Yeah. And you can write out 20 questions and then have another 20 out of the same passage and they never overlap. <laughs> but like, what, what was Abraham thinking? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. he, he was glad that it was, but did he, he didn't have the full picture of it like we do, or we don't even have the full picture because yeah. we're not in heaven. But just what was his thoughts? Like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's so important when we consider these kind of mysterious, mysterious figures that we're just, we might not grasp everything and that's okay. But if we grasp yep. the concept that Melchizedek is meant to point us to Jesus, it's just kind of a shadow of who Jesus is, giving, a, giving us yep. little hints of who he is, then yeah. <laughs> um, I, I can't remember if we've read it on the previous episodes, mm-hmm. Genesis 14, um, but I, th- I thought even if we did, I, I feel like it would be yeah. helpful yes. for yeah. the yep. context of what we're talking about yeah. to read uh, what was really going on, what he's the author is referring to. And I'm reading back Genesis 14, and I'm going to pick up in chapter, uh, verse 17. Uh, then after his return from the defeat of Chil. Childor Lamormir. <laughs> I have no idea. This is why I don't like so, reading the Old Testament. No. I just got Y'all look it up in your Bibles and, and figure it out. <laughs> I know. So, okay. So, this is referring to Abraham after he returned um, yeah. and the kings who were with him. The king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shiva. That is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God most high. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tenth of all. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give uh, the people to me. And it goes on and on mm-hmm. there. But it's just really, I, I find it so, it, it, it feels, if you will, so random that <laughs> this is going on in this the battle and and Abraham's coming back with, with all the goods that he's got. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the king of Sodom comes out and then, poop, there's Melchizedek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this yeah. one right th- thing, but yeah. it's so significant. It's mentioned in, uh, uh, like in Psalms, I think, 110. 110. Uh-huh. And then here in Hebrews several times. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, again, I was talking about how significant the words are in the word itself. Mm-hmm. While that was just one blip there in the Old Testament, there is huge significance sure. in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, what I love about that Genesis 14 passage is, it's right before Genesis 15. I mean, mm, Genesis right. 15 is that covenant God makes with Abram yeah. and the the cows being slit or something. We'll leave it that yeah. with the lady. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Genesis 14 talks about the bread and the wine and the blessing. And even if you look to Jesus, Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of that. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I have, I mean, Melchizedek gave it to Abram, but you know what? I'm the bread. I'm the wine. Yeah. Like in the Lord's supper. And he's like, I fulfill all of that. And that is your greatest blessing. My body, my, my bread, my wine, Mm -hmm. that is where your greatest fulfillment of that blessing comes. Yeah. Yeah. We entitled this episode, Jesus is better, but really I was reminded in a commentary, Jesus is better, but he's really incomparable. He he's the best. He's perfect. And so when we see these little, these shadows, these, these things, um, that Jesus ultimately fulfills, we can compare him, but we can't compare him truly to, sure. to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We were talking about Nancy Guthrie before we got on oh, yeah. and she's been such a great help to me of just understanding the, the theme themes of the Bible. Yeah. And that understanding of 
the, I think Jim Hamilton calls it typology of like how we, we see something that's a type of something to come yeah. and always gets better yes. and better and better. And so here in, in Genesis one, they're eating and drinking. I mean, they're eating of the bread and the, or whatever type of fruit it was. And then you get to Genesis 14, where Mel- Melchizedek offers that bread and the wine to Abram. You get to the gospels and um, Jesus offers that to his disciples. But then in revelation, we're going to eat and sit down and mm-hmm. eat at the supper table of the lamb. Yeah. And just that great, it gets greater and greater as you go through the whole storyline of the Bible. Yeah. And that reminder that he's not done yet. Like we haven't yeah. seen it all fulfilled yet. That's such great hope that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. We want to go on to what's the next Yeah. One? Just 11 one. and 12. Mm-hmm. You want to read that, Carolyn? Sure. Now, if per- perfection had been attainable through the Le- Levitical priesthood, for under it, the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arrive after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. And so this is talking about, again, the Levitical priesthood and just highlighting that if the Levitical priesthood had been sufficient, then they wouldn't have been waiting for something better. They wouldn't have been waiting for the great high priest. So just, again, showing the inadequacy of that priesthood and, you know, just foreshadowing a better thing to come through Jesus. And it points out that we still have a need. Yeah. Like a lot of times, especially, especially as a wife and a mom, I don't like to always say I'm needy. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I never, I never want to say I'm inadequate. I never want to say, call up my friend and say, Hey, I'm sick. Can you please provide a meal? That's needy. That's saying I am deficient in some way. And as an Enneagram three, I like being not deficient. (laughs) So, um, so the scripture is so kind at reminding me that God wants me to be in a place of need. Mm-hmm. And that's what that verse 11. So if now if perfection had been attainable, then why would you need anything else? What further need would there have been for another priest? Mm-hmm. If all that I had done was perfect, why would Jesus have needed to come? Why would I need Jesus if I wasn't needy? Mm-hmm. And just that reminder that Jesus came for the the sick and the sore and the poor and the needy as that old hymn goes. So, yeah. Oh, that's, that's so good. good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go on for the next two verses? Yeah, I'll 30. do. Is it 13 and 14? Yeah, just 13 and 14. For the one concerning whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no one has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, a tribe with reference to which Moses spoke nothing concerning priest. Mm. Yeah. So again, it's just drawing that line between priests and kings. So Levi was the tribe that provided the priests and Judah was the tribe that usually provided kings. You know, David was through the line of Judah and then Jesus, of course. So that just saying that, that there's not really a category for Jesus. He is, he is the priest, he's the king and he's a prophet too. And so mm-hmm. he's just in a category all on his own. I, um, I might have gotten this out of Mueller's book. All mm-hmm. I put in here is a note from book. I don't know if it, which book it is, but very well, brilliant in right. my study notes. So. Um, but uh, I just want to read, in Jewish arguments and discussions, they would use Moses as a trump card. Yeah. They pointed to him often because he was the final authority, but the author of Hebrews lays down a new trump card 
uh, the interweaving of priest and king in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And I thought that was just, that nailed it right there it does, when, yeah. when he's doing that. I think that was out. It Miller's was, video. it yeah. was, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because really the, the original audience, you know, the author's really aware that these people are Jewish. They know these these Jewish. patriarchs. They know Abraham. They know Moses. And so as he's trying to make this this argument really for Jesus being the better, the the greater high priest, then, you know, he's laying out all these different sure. different ones. Yeah. yeah. And I think as I've, I'm doing a chronological Bible reading mm-hmm. with the Bible recap this year and just coming, we're in first Chronicles now. So we've kind of gotten out of the Pentateuch, but just hearing all those Levitical laws and yeah. how God provided, he set apart the priests, but then he provided for them because they couldn't take, take money. They couldn't work. It was like, God is going to be their sufficiency. God yeah. is going to provide for them. So it's just really that, that the right I hate it how there's no author. I mean how we don't have the author. Not like the writer of Hebrews writer, instead of Paul or John. Um, how the writer of Hebrews does know his audience. And that's what's so important when you're coming to the scripture of any scripture to know who they were writing to, who was the author, if you know it, unlike the book of Hebrews mm-hmm. and why they were writing. And that's crucial to studying any book. And I know y'all have done that as yeah. you've walked through the first six chapters. Yeah. That's such a good reminder though, because we don't, if we don't fully grasp like why the author's bringing these things in, then we don't get to see all the amazingness of Hebrews. We don't get to understand why he's bringing up these patriarchs or why, you know, why he's bringing up different things. So yeah, mm-hmm. so important. Very helpful. Kim, would you want to read um, 15 through 19? Sure. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, For the law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Awesome. So it's really pointing out that the Levitical priests were used to prepare the people for Jesus and to see their need for the great high priest. You talked about being needy. The author's just making that argument. You have a need and Jesus is going to meet that need. Um, And he talks about Jesus's indestructible life, how that compares to the earthly priests who, of course, were not indestructible. They died, but Jesus is a priest forever. Yeah. I love that. The power of an indestructible life. Yeah. Because I mean, how often do we want that? How often are we fearful of death? We're fearful of our kids dying. If our kids get sick or if my dad is sick, like, okay, we're, that's something we, we don't relish that. We're not like, yay, let me be sick. Oh, I'm going to die. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah. We want that indestructible life. We don't want to be, to know that we're going to die. We don't. And he's like, I am the one to put my, your hope in mm-hmm. is my indestructible life. That's right. Yeah. My no beginning and no end. You're going to die, but I've risen from the dead so that you may have that future indestructible life. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's so true. And, you know, verse 18, um, just kind of that little snippet there in my version, because of its weakness and uselessness, yeah. Yeah. Uh, really mean it. It's, it. 
it was it, there's a strength in it and yeah. it's useful but what he's saying there the difference is it's weak and in the law does not did not save yeah and in this new covenant um, yeah. through jesus christ it, it, it does yeah um, Romans 7, 7 was a verse that I referenced here just because of the law saying, you know, that the law served its purpose to show us our sin. And it says Roman, in Romans 7, 7, what shall we then say that the law is sin by no means? Yet if it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. And so that law just really revealed mm-hmm. our sinfulness and our hopelessness. And then Jesus came better hope, um, as it says in verse 19. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, as you read through a book of the Bible, I mean, I'm talking to people who, who study the Bible. So, I mean, y'all, I'm not, this may not be for y'all, but I'm always encouraged by ways people study. And when you study any book of the Bible, it's super helpful to, to read the entire book in its entirety to get this Mm -hmm. overarching Uh view of it and maybe write down or star or highlight those key statements. Yeah. And I really think verse 19 is one of those overarching key themes, um, or, or like, Hey, underline this. This is really what I'm trying to say is the verse 19 that a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God, that great high priest that we can draw near to, to God through Christ. Right. Uh And then in the old covenant, the, in the law that we could not draw near to him, but in the new, it's that intimacy. Well, I think we'll get more into that in chapter eight, but that is just so key. It is. (laughs) And having a relationship with Christ for salvation. And I think, especially for the book of Hebrews, it is so important to read through because Mm -hmm. that's how the author really intended it to be. It's just all one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so all one kind of argument, you know, all together, mm-hmm. just kind of tying it all together. So, yeah, it's important to reference back and forth. Yeah. And well, and, he, and in this one, he's really building his case yeah. and he's laying all this groundwork out yeah. and, and then he sh- uh, shifts gears a little bit. Yeah. So yep. it's very helpful. Where are we at? Are we in 20, 20, 20, yeah. 20 to 22, 20 to 22. I can read that. Okay. Um, and it's as much as it was not without an oath. For they indeed became priests without an oath, but he with an oath through the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. So much the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Mm-hmm. Or some might uh, read uh, uh, guarantor. I don't know what your version. <laughs> yes. It says uh-huh. guarantor. guarantor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so this is just, again, showing that the Lord has established Jesus, Mm -hmm. that he has sworn an oath, an unchangeable oath, which I love to remind myself that God is unchangeable because I think that's so awesome and gives me so much hope and comfort that God, what God says is unchanging. He he Mm -hmm. has appointed Jesus as the forever priest, um, the great high priest forever, and he's not going to change his mind. And it says that in verse 21, but... um, yeah, it's just another argument for these people, this, these original um, listeners, the Jewish people. They might wonder, like, what could be better than the covenant that God gave to Abraham? And he's just building it up again to show them that. Yeah. yeah. And, and these covenants full of promises. And just to remind us that um, Christ's priesthood is rooted in unshakable promises of God. Yeah. Yeah. And through here. And I really love that word, that unshakable, the yes. guarantor, like. 
so many things today is like, oh, guaranteed for life. And it breaks in three days yeah. or uh, money back <laughs> guaranteed. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, every time we see guarantee, I'm almost, I've become so um, jaded against yeah. that word. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, pfft, whatever. I'm yeah. not going to get my money back or this is not going to work for very long because we've seen so much of the evidence against what it guarantees. Mm -hmm. But that's that's also why God wrote this word and not us. And God is true to his word. Yeah. And God is the author. This is his very breath coming toward us. And he's like, I have given you the guarantee. And I was sharing this morning um, about Psalm 1830, mm -hmm. which says this God, his way is perfect. Um, and the end of that, or all of my ways are tried. You can try me and know that they'll be true. Mm -hmm. Then I am the very shield for those who, take refuge in me. And that very shield is like his breath is, yeah. is the protection. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, we can, we can know that he speaks that better word, the guarantor of a better covenant, because God is the one speaking it and God never changes. He is perfectly true in all he is. He's the amen. So yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't work on our, our, our time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You want me to read verses 23 through 25? Uh, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. I think those are some of my favorite verses, y'all, right. in this chapter. Right. Yeah, <laughs> probably all three of us. Right. Oh, yep. Can you imagine Jesus interceding for us? I mean, that is such a beautiful picture. We've talked about that before. I think um, Romans eight twenty six. I think y'all correct me that, you know, if we don't have the words to pray that oh, the yeah. Holy Spirit is praying on behalf of us. And I feel like this verse just kind of ties Even in, in too. Our groans, yes. he, he can interpret it. And let's remember what priests did back then. They they were the mediator for between man and God. And when Jesus Christ came, he became the mediator. And it's Christ that we can go to. So he is always taking us before God. And, and just knowing that and that we do not have to depend on man and that man getting um, cleansed and making sure that he is sent, with, you yeah. know, without sin before he goes to God. When I mean, we don't have to do that now. Mm -hmm. And what a privilege that is that God loves us that much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think for me, some, some of my family members and some of the people that I've known in my life have been very, very devout Catholics. Mm -hmm. And like they, they always have to go through that priest or I watch, right. we watch blue bloods every week and usually <laughs> they'll have a time of confession or whatever. And I'm like, I rejoice so greatly that Jesus has made that possible That's where right, I man. can come to God through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I have that intimacy, like you were saying, it comes up even more in the next chapter that mm -hmm. I have that closeness with God because of Christ. Yeah. I think we don't fully grasp that unless we know, like in, in the Catholic culture or in the Jewish culture, they were so reliant on these priests. And, yep. you know, that's why they had a whole tribe dedicated to serving because if one died, they needed a backup right away. And so um, just the beauty that Jesus has fulfilled that for us. And we, we can count on him because he is a priest forever just the relief and the peace that comes with that as a child of his is, is beautiful. And it's a, a beautiful picture here. Yeah. 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 All right. 
Next are we, week. We're already at 26 26, to yeah. All right. Kim, you want to read those three for us? Sure. Is it just like it's 26 to the rest? Yeah. yeah. Just this two. Okay. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separate from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, for, first for his own sins and then for the sins or for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weaknesses, high priests, but the word but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Mm. I think what's crucial in there is understanding. Um, I mean, even that last bit made perfect forever. He is not saying that Jesus was a sinner and then he's made perfect <laughs> and whatever. He was perfect forever. He was the complete design of salvation. He completes it. He makes it whole. There's no deficiency in the work of Christ. But I mean, I, I just love how they, how, how the writer defines Jesus here. He's a high priest. He's holy. He's innocent. He's unstained. He's separate from sinners, but then he says, Hey, Hey, come in, mm -hmm. right. Come mm -hmm. here to me. I'm letting you see my father. I'm letting you be close to me. So he's separate yet longs for that intimacy with us. Yeah. Yeah. And it really highlights that Jesus's sacrifice didn't need to be repeated, just like the oh, Old Testament sacrifices needed to be repeated. But I found this so interesting. This is from the Christ-Centered Exposition Commentary. Um, I just wanted to read this because I thought it was interesting to me. It says, it's, tempted, or it's tempting for Christians to believe that God had an initial plan and that this initial plan failed that the initial plan was the covenant God made with Abraham. Since humanity was unable to meet the righteous demands of the old plan, God had to form a new plan in Christ. Scripture, however, teaches that this is not the correct understanding. God's plan from the beginning was Christ. He is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the earth, as it says in Revelation 13, 8. The old covenant was not an initial plan that failed. It succeeded gloriously. Its purpose was never to save. It was to demonstrate man's need for a savior. And I think that kind of sums up this whole chapter really beautifully. Cause great. yeah, cause we can really, you can think that, that, oh, we, man messed up and God had to go to a plan B mm. and Jesus like, is plan, plan yeah, B. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's yeah, not Something right. else I, I read out of um, that same book, Carolyn, um, where it's um, priest would carry blood into the most holy of holies. And this blood was. Uh, from the sacrifice, and it served as a clear sign of the costliness of forgiveness. And without blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And Christ died offering his blood, paying the penalty of sin with his life. And I wanted to point that out just as mm -hmm. that clear picture of that ultimate sacrifice yeah. and and the costliness of that. I think we need to be reminded of that on occasion. Yeah. So are we ready for our four yeah, questions? Yeah, let's run the four yeah, questions. Yeah, so what does it say about God. <laughs> mm, so much, y'all. <laughs> so much. Yeah. I think I, oh, go I ahead, Kim. that I mean, even in God proper, God gives us what we need. Yeah. Yeah. You needed a high priest then, I gave you a better one. But in even in like Jesus proper, like he's our righteousness and our peace. And I read somewhere that that you can't have peace without righteousness. Mm. And the work of Jesus and his work on the cross provided that righteousness that we needed that 
Um, he was made sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God so that we might have peace in and only in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's a good answer. I think that about <laughs> sums it up, y'all. <laughs> no, that's, that's good. good. Yeah. So what does it tell us about ourselves? For me, I think it just reminded me that I need a great high priest. Mm-hmm. I, I am in need. And he is the way that I can have access to the throne of God. And I think that's a good reminder, as you said earlier, Kim, that we don't want to be in need. We don't want to be needy people, but we are needy people. And Jesus meets those needs. That's right. That's good. Yeah. And it also helps me see that I'm always looking for peace in somewhere else. Yeah. Maybe it's peace in flipping through social media and I got 25 right. likes. on. And something. it's always going to be fleeting. Right. Oh, yeah. It's. Like, oh, it goes away. And I'm like, I need that lasting peace. And it's only found. And that's what I want to almost shout to the world yeah, is or to these women who look for so many things to find peace. I'm like, it's not going to be when you get married. It's not going to be when your kids do something great or yeah. are living that best life now. Like Jesus <laughs> is your only peace. No, that's good. That is so good. So what truth can we take away to stand on? Uh, one thought I had is that we can be comforted knowing that Jesus is always our perfect priest uh, that mediates for us and that we can draw near to him and have that intimate relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. For me, Let's... verse for, um, 19 stood out just that he is the better hope. He's, mm-hmm. he's better. That's right. <laughs> Open him. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I mean, that's the whole book of Hebrews is like the theme of Hebrews is Jesus is better. Yeah. <laughs> and anything you think is great. Like I have a really great husband. Y'all do too. Yeah. Jesus is better. My husband's better than your husband. Throw <laughs> <laughs> <Go> down. <laughs> Throw down. <laughs> but Jesus is better. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Amen. That's yeah. right. You aren't perfect, but no. Jesus is better. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So um, we want to end with kind of a question and yeah. or, or something for you to do. One thing I did think of, and Carolyn, I think you might have something else, too, is um, really I'd encourage you to look up the definition of guarantor. And mm. uh, I think that'll really uh, help you dive in a little bit deeper of the significance of what he's he has done for us. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I think it was just, you know, if you have not drawn near to him for salvation, as it mm. says in this scripture, Take the time to really consider the great high priest, Jesus, Amen. and make sure that you um, you understand the gift of salvation that he offers and that he is better than any other way, any other place we could find hope, quote unquote. He is yeah. the better hope. He is um, our savior. And so that just really stood out to me as an invitation. Jesus is inviting us to draw near. And I'd probably say to take inventory of, of your life and see where you find your completion in. Because mm-hmm. that word completion or design or complete um, is in there. Like, where do we look for peace? Yeah. Where do we look for our thumbs up from the world? Like our righteousness, where do we look for that? And if it's any other place but Jesus, we've got it in the wrong place. Yeah. That's so good. Now I like that. I like that image of that thumbs up because that's, you know, on the social media, that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Well, we are um, thankful that you have joined us in this conversation and uh, we're super excited that you will be on the next one with us as well as we dive into um, chapter eight, but let's wrap this up. Uh, Carolyn, would you mind closing us in prayer? Yeah. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the way that you teach us and you, reveal things to us um, as we take the time to open it. And I just pray that um, 
each one of these listeners, you'll meet them right where they are, right in their need, and just remind them, as you've reminded me, that you are the better hope. You are better than anything we could um, try to find hope or peace or joy in. You are better. And we thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. so much for joining us today. We know there are other podcasts to listen to, and we are humbled that you chose Hopefield Conversations. If you enjoyed our conversation today, we invite you to subscribe. If you found our conversations helpful, or if you would like to share comments with Jody or Carolyn, you may email them at hfc at englewoodbaptist.com. If you need to talk with a pastor at our church, please email next at englewoodbaptist.com. Once again, thank you for spending time with us today.